pray together. God, we love you. I just want you to know that. We thank you for the love you have for us. And pray for all of us in the room that we would today just get a glimpse of that love. And as we talk about you being father today, I know that for some of us we have father wounds and it's hard sometimes to conceptualize that you would be like our earthly father. Lord, we know that what we want to say right now is that you're way beyond that and that we should never compare our earthly fathers to you because you are the great, perfect father. So I pray that you would speak to every one of us today, that we'd be able to open ourselves up to that love that you chase us down and you want to show us the love that you breathed into us before we breathed the breath of air. We just thank you so much for that picture and how you were with us from the moment of our conception. We just love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Love it if you have a seat. Thank you so much for being here and singing today. And I just want to begin with a word about our brother, Dave Bolin. And thanks so much for your prayers uh, for him. He's still in ICU today. Uh, we didn't think he'd be there, but he still is. And so there's some swelling on the back of his brain stem uh, that won't go down. And so until that swelling goes down, he'll be in ICU. Um, he changed some medications yesterday and saw some results. I just want to read you a text I got last night, the latest. Um, now, there'll be a CAT scan this morning, so everything could change. But this was last night. Um, says, his symptoms continue to improve. Uh, we actually watched football together today, so he had a moment there. We are cautiously hopeful tomorrow's CT scan will show decreased swelling and fluid, and we'll be on our way out of the ICU and onto the main floor in the next day or two. So that's the, what they're praying for, and so we just keep praying for that uh, as well. Uh, we don't have any answers. We, we know that he had multiple strokes and that um, his, we don't know anything about recovery. We don't know anything about uh, physical therapy that you'll have to go through. But we know that the prayer is, is that there's an acute physical therapy center right across from the hospital. That's where they want him to be. The family does. So we can pray that God would, you know, just show favor there and that they would get to go there ultimately for a couple of weeks is what they're thinking uh, in that process. So just keep the prayers up. Uh, appreciate that so much. And I know there's several people in our church family who have uh, difficulties they're going through right now that we want to remember uh, to pray for them as well. Uh, so I just want to begin this morning by asking those asking a question. How many of you made a New Year's resolution? You know, how many of you did that? Raise your hand, would you? If you did. How many of you refused to? <laughs> you don't do that. Well, good. I'm not talking about resolutions, so we're good. <laughs> okay, not going to do that today. But if I did talk about resolutions. I just wanted to share with you what the top 10 resolutions that people that did make them said they were going to do and see if some of these might relate. Number one was lose weight. Number two, improve your finances. Number three, exercise. Number four, get a new job. Number five, eat healthier. Manage stress better was number six. Stop smoking, number seven. Improve a relationship, number eight. Stop procrastinating, number nine. And set aside time for yourself was number 10. So those were the top 10 uh, resolutions that people said that they were going to make. Now, I was just thinking about that idea of resolution. Uh, resolution means to, I resolve to do something. And so basically, all those resolutions were saying, I'm going to do something to reach a certain goal. And so the goal would be that I would lose, say, let's use 10 pounds. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Well, how am I going to lose 10 pounds? I can't get up in the morning and work out all day tomorrow and expect 10 pounds to fall off. 
It's just not going to work that way. So what I have to do is I have to engage in practices and engage in exercise and uh, engage in a food plan in some way that will help me to lose those 10 pounds. Well, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in this series. The goal in the spiritual life is that we would be more like Jesus, as we're going to talk about in just a minute. I can't just say I want to be more like Jesus and become like him. There's too much of me inside. There's too much of me there. It's going to take time, and it's going to take me engaging in certain practices. If I wanted to run a marathon, I couldn't get up in the morning and go out and run 26 miles. Just impossible. In order to run a marathon, I have to first be able to run around the block. And so I would have to do some exercise, and I have to build up to that place. And it's the same thing about being like Jesus. We have to engage in certain practices. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at certain practices that Jesus engaged in himself that helped him to live the life he lived in hopes that as we would engage in those practices like he did, we could become more like him. So if you would go out and grab your message notes out of your program, uh, that'd be helpful for you. You'll be able to follow along with the talk today. And if you open your Bible to Matthew 6, that's where we're going to be uh, in our time together today. Just want to encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, there are Bibles in the book rack right out there. And you can take one today. It'd be our gift to you. We'd love for you to have that. So we're going to begin 2020 with a kind of a profound thought. And here's the profound thought. When Jesus called people to follow him, it was not to follow him to start a new religion, as some might think. They accuse Christianity of being a religion. It was not to follow him to gain great wealth and prosperity, as some people teach. It was not to follow him with all your woes and worries, and if you follow him, they will disappear, because Jesus said just the opposite. It was not to follow him and to be guaranteed of power, possessions, and position. It was not to follow him and to be healed of all your diseases and sickness, as some people would also teach. It was none of that. None of that. Well, then why did Jesus call people to follow him? Well, look at the words at the top of your notes there that Mark read to us earlier. Jesus said this about himself, about why he came. He said, I have come that they, those who follow him, might have life and have it to the what? Full. The full life that we could have. So folks, when Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, and then through the power of the scripture says to us as well, come follow me. When Jesus came and he says, I've come to give life in all its fullness, he was promising that we would have a change of heart. He was promising a transformation and he was promising us more than religion could ever, ever offer. He was promising this, that those who follow him, get this, would become like him. That those who follow him would become like him. And the best description of what it looks like to be like Jesus is found in the Bible. We look at it there. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5, he wrote, this is the best description of what it's like to look like Jesus. If you want to look like Jesus, you'll become a person of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So with that list in your mind, kind of just running through your brain right now, let me ask, is this who you are? Is this who you are all the time? Or just when you come in here? And you try to put on your plastic Christian face so everyone will accept you. Or better yet, let me ask this another way. Is this who others would say you are? 
Is this who others would say you are as they look at your life? Well, if not, then I want you to know this series is for all of us who are not all we believe that God, that we are as God wants us to be right now. The series is about a way of life, the Jesus way of life, practicing to be like him, the way that Jesus practiced it himself by engaging in certain practices that allowed him to grow closer in intimacy with his father. So, you know, as we begin the new year, we're bombarded. I know you have. You can't go anywhere right now without being seeing, uh, seeing an ad or seeing a blog post or hearing a, a podcast or seeing social media posts. And every one of them is saying, you can become the best you ever, promising that if you will engage in a certain way, that you will be able to shed off everything that you want to get rid of and you'll become something different. Well, I just want to say that Jesus has something different in mind. Now, I'm not saying, just want you to know, just to be real clear about this, that being a better husband or being a better wife or friend or to have a you know, better physique or to be in better health or to be more focused or to love yourself more or set great goals or take steps that this will be your breakout year or to be a better parent or better... Those are great goals. Those are wonderful goals. Awesome goals. I'm just going to say... As important as all, that, as all those things are that we just listed there, those things are secondary to what Jesus calls us to. And, if we, and that if we decided to put our priorities in a different perspective and to practice the Jesus way of life, that all those other things would be more easily attained than if we go after them without him and that we would be more fulfilled. Now, I'm going to talk about this a lot more next week. We're going to go into a lot more detail. But today, what I want to do, because I wanted to be able to introduce a prayer to us that we're going to pray together as a church family in 2020, I want this day to be the day to introduce it. We're going to talk about the Jesus way to pray. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to challenge us that we would engage in this throughout the next year together. So one thing is clear that as you read the gospel accounts about Jesus, that prayer was the center focus of his life. Prayer was the center point of what he did. Prayer was not just an add-on to life like it can be for me so many times. When I get into a circumstance or a situation and someone says, we should pray about this, and I realize that I've already been working for many, many moments to solve it on my own before I ask for prayer. For Jesus, he went to prayer first. It was the center of his life. It was woven into the fabric of his day-to-day existence, into his morning routines, into his weekly schedule, into his responses to everyday life as it came. He would pray even when he was really busy. He would stay up all night because for Jesus, prayer was more important than sleep. More important than sleep. Prayer seemed to be something he really enjoyed because he did it a lot, according to the scriptures, because it was in prayer that he was in the presence of his father. He shows that in the prayer we're going to look at today. Now, in the back of your notes, I put some uh, verses. Uh, you could just look at some of the pra- ways that Jesus practiced prayer, some of the examples of him doing that. You can follow that and look at that later on this week. So how do we learn to enjoy the prayer that Jesus enjoyed? How do we learn to do that? How do we learn to pray like Jesus prayed? Well, we don't have to wonder because Jesus tells us. It's right there in the Bible. And what we need to do is realize is that this practice, as we begin 2020, is the most important 
practice that we can engage in in this year. The rest of the series, I love it if you'd get on board as we talk about different practices that Jesus did that influenced him. But prayer is the number one practice that I would like to ask you that you would engage in with us in the coming years. So let's jump in quickly. Now, Jesus talks about prayer in different ways. What he would, first of all, he talks about how not to pray. So that's where we'll begin today. And so the first idea on your notes you want to fill in is this. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is not a performance, so don't make it a show. Not a performance, so don't make it a show. Now, Jesus is just saying here that there's some things that we think might be important about prayer that Jesus will show that they're not really that important at all. Some of us feel that when we pray that, that we are performing, uh, that we need to pray a certain way. Uh, others are looking at the way we pray and judging our spirituality by our prayers. We pray for the approval ratings of others. You know, someone will pray, oh, that was such a good prayer. Oh, that prayer was awesome. I wish I could pray like that person could pray. And, you know, blah, blah. and so we're rating. That was about a nine. That was an A. Oh, my word, where's that one fall? And then so those of us like me, who are, would, I would call myself a marginal prayer person, is that uh, I'm looking at that going, oh, my gosh, I could never measure up to that. And so when it comes time to pray, I, I zip the lips, you know, or I don't say anything because I want to be able to pray those kind of prayers myself. Or you're sitting in your small group, your community group, as we talked about just a moment ago, and they're having prayer and they're going around in a circle and you know it's going in a circle and you know that when it comes to you, you're going to get to pray. And so the whole time you're listening, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. oh, and then the person right before you prays what you were going to pray about, oh, now what do I do? And you're planning the whole time what you're going to pray about. This is the way we are, right? It's the way we are. Yeah. Here's what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. So let's just get some context here. In Jesus' day, actors were called hypocrites. Actors were called hypocrites. So, you know, 2,000 years ago in the times of Jesus is that they'd be having a play at the local theater. And so how did they get patrons to come to their play? What they would do is they would go out, the actors would go out, and they would stand on the street corner, and they would enact a portion of their play, a pretty exciting portion of the play, and they would enact it right there in the street corner, and then they would just stop it, and they'd say, and if you would like to see how this plays out, come to the play tonight. And so then people would be, you know, enthused about coming to be, see that play. It was kind of like a movie trailer. You know, kind of in our day. So see a movie trailer and say, hey, I want to go see that movie because of what I say. And Jesus is saying is that there are those who, li who like to pray to be seen and applauded like actors do. He's saying that their spirituality is not real. In fact, it's an act. And he goes on and says this, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Now, you got to know that they didn't have rooms like we have today. So, so most of us would be thinking, well, which room in my house can I go into? They may have had one room, and that room was also the place where they stored the feed, and maybe even some animals would be in that room in some way. So he's basically saying, go away and be private. That's what he's saying here. And he says, and close the door and pray to your father, who is unseen. You might underline father. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. See, those who perform in prayer hope to gain the approval of not God. There's the deal. They're hoping that because of their performance, they gain the approval of others as they pray. But Jesus says here that if you pray, 
and the goal of your prayer is to receive the approval of others, that is your reward in full. You have received in full the reward of others, and that is all you get. Don't expect him to answer your prayers because you already received your reward from men. That's sobering, isn't it? That's just so sobering to get a reward from others and miss out on getting a reward from God. So don't try to impress others. Number two, prayer is not a technique. Prayer is not a technique, so don't make it into a formula. Prayer is not a technique, so don't make it into a formula. Don't pray to impress God. So the first prayer was to impress men. The second one is to impress God. Now, this is just such a trap for us in America because uh, we believe so much better that everything can work better and if we just do it the right way. And if we do it the right way, we will get the results we want. But we have to know the right technique. And so you show me the right technique, then I'll get the results I wanted. And once again, if you don't believe me, just go to your social media posts. Go look at all the magazine racks that are on display right now at the grocery stores as they all talk about 10 ways, 6 ways, 5 ways, 4 ways, 1 way to blank. You fill it in. You know, it's all about knowing the right technique. And if I know the right technique, then I can get the right results. But if you try, let's say it this way, if you try to master what you think is the right technique for prayer, that can poison your prayer life. That can poison your prayer life. And so I, I just know, I just want to say this, is that you know I um, sometimes hear people say that if you pray a certain way, if you say the right words, if you, but you have to say the right words, you have to say it with the right tone, or you have to say it with the right inflection, or you have to say the, the right Bible verse that is along with it, or you can't say anything negative, it all has to be positive. If you, you know, a certain way that people look at prayer and they say, just it's the technique that matters. Well, I don't know about you, but I've tried all the techniques. And I've been left without answers or without even knowing God's presence. And I've been left frustrated. And I, th- and I felt like at times that he's the one that's the problem. And Jesus says right here, who's the problem? Me. And he says, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. So the, what pagans would do is that they would pray, and they felt it was the intensity of their prayers that got the attention of their gods. And that's how they would pray. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And Jesus is saying it's not about the words, it's not about the formula or the posture. Prayer is about the heart. It's about the heart. I think the best prayer I ever heard was a dad who was describing a prayer that his three-year-old daughter prayed before she went to bed. They were having a time of prayer, and it came time for her to pray she sighed, and she prayed and said, help me, Jesus, amen, and got in bed. I think that's the best prayer I've heard. Now, that's not a technique, so that's not the way to pray. I just want to get some of your thinking. So Jesus wants to get us out from under the pressure of performance and making the show to others to be impressed. He wants us to get out of the pressure of techniques, believing the right answer. It comes from uh, the formula I use And so then he says, here's what prayer is, and that's where we're going to be the rest of our time together. He says, prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is a relationship. It's a conversation. It's a connection. It's a connection. One of the 
people that I've been listening to a lot lately is a guy named John Mark Comer. And he's quite a bit younger than me, and there's so much we can learn from people who are younger than us. And uh, one of the things he says about this, he says, for Jesus' prayer, for Jesus, prayer was central to life with God. Prayer is back and forth conversation that comes out of a depth of relationship with God. And that's what we want to talk about today. Is this, it's back and forth, it's a conversation, and it comes out of the relationship I have with him, and that shows the depth of my prayer. And then Paul Miller, as one of the books in our picks for our pastor's picks, and this is called A Praying Life. Uh, some of you may remember Paul Miller's name, uh, and we did our study in Ruth. He had a book called A Loving Life, and it was a big hit for us as a church. Well, he has also a book called The Praying Life, and he says in The Praying Life, he says, prayer is simply the medium through which we experience and, notice this, connect to God. Many people struggle to learn how to pray because they are focusing on praying, not on God. So they're on performance or techniques instead of just being with God and being able to talk with him. See, I love that. Yes, prayer is a practice, but like all practices, it is not the end. It is the means to the end. So as I pray, it's not, okay, I've, I've gotten prayer down where I can perform and where I've got the right techniques. That's not the end. That's the practice. Prayer is the practice that leads me to the place where I can have deeper intimacy with God. So as Jesus gave what we call the Lord's Prayer, I want you to remember that what he's doing here is he's talking about a relational dialogue that you have with God, our Holy Father. And so in Luke 11... His disciples have been watching him, and it says this. It says, one day, it's on the backside of your notes. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I think this is pretty remarkable. I think this is pretty amazing, actually. Jesus did a lot of amazing stuff, didn't he? Did a lot of incredible stuff. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He preached the gospel. And when the disciples wanted to ask him for spiritual guidance, they didn't ask him about any of those things. They said, Jesus, we know the source of your strength is your intimacy with God. So Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Will you teach us how to have a conversation, a relationship with God? And then he gives them a prayer that's a way that we can practice. This is a model prayer. This is not a technique. It's a model prayer that we've engaged in to practice and it's Matthew 6, and this is how he begins. And now I'm going to ask you to help me here. As we read this, I'm going to ask you to underline certain words because I'm going to make a major point as we go through this. And so as we read this, if you just have your notes or your Bible, you can do this as well. So then he says, this is how you should pray. So he said, our, underline our. Our Father. And so for Jesus, this was the name he used about God most often, his Father. And so he was a perfect Father, and he was relating to him that way. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us, underline that, us, today, our, underline our, daily bread, and forgive us, our, underline us, our, debts, as we has also forgiven our debtors, and lead us, underline that, not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. I'll explain in a minute why those are in perspective. Parentheses. So now let me tell you why I picked this as our 2020 prayer. Well, first of all, I knew if we were talking about practicing the way of Jesus that I needed to talk about some way that Jesus did. And so that really helped me to narrow down the scope of what we would pray about. But it's more than that. So the Lord's Prayer 
is not just a prayer that I pray for God to meet my needs as much as it's a prayer that we pray for God to meet with us. It's a corporate prayer. It's a prayer of the brotherhood, if you want to say that, sisterhood. It's a prayer that we pray as part of community together. We pray that. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, as we pray this prayer together in this coming year, we are approaching God. We are part of a collective. We are part of his people. And so our prayer is for all of us. Now, isn't that cool? That you're going to be praying for all of us. And that means that as you pray for all of us, someone else is praying for all of us. And that someone else is praying for all of us. And that means that we're all being prayed for, right? It's just a really cool concept. Instead of it all being about me, my... Me, my, me, my, me, my, the whole time that I pray. This is about we, our, as we come to it. So that's one of the reasons I picked this prayer as our 2020 prayer. Prayers is an individual act, and you know, unless you're in corporate settings, but it's something you're primarily going to do alone. But when you're alone, what this prayer would suggest is that God would want you to pray for others. And so I want to talk about this prayer just a moment, and I'm going to give you kind of break it down to six different elements and then I'm going to ask you to be willing to pray with us every day in 2020, this prayer. Six days we're going to have a focus, and every day we're going to read the prayer in our prayer time, and we're going to ask God to speak to us, and then we're going to have meditative moments. And it won't take very long. It'll take about five minutes for this part, so I think we can all probably do that. We can all engage in this. We can still pray about the other needs that we have, the other things that are going on, but this would be something that we can say we're all going to do together. And so we'll do this kind of the, on Monday. We're going to praise God. So that's the first P, praise. Praise our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. So the first thing that we want to do in prayer is that we want to praise and worship God for who he is. We want to adore him. And so in order to do that, I have to know who God is, right? So later this year, we're going to do a series on the names of God, and we're going to learn more about who God is so that we can actually be more clear when we pray about who we're praying to and what we're talking about. Well, Tim Keller says it this way. He says this, the primary goal of all prayer is to think about who God is until your heart is dazzled. Wonder. Until your heart is dazzled. So folks, the primary goal of prayer, some of you may think, really? This is the goal? I just thought it was to stay awake, okay? The primary goal of prayer is the joyful, worshipful enjoyment of the Father's company. You think about when you're with someone that you love, and when you're with someone you love, you put aside all other distractions, you put aside all, all else, you're willing to sacrifice sleep, you're willing to sacrifice to be with that person, and that's what you do because you love them, and prayer comes out of that relationship that you've established with God. And you begin to understand who God is, you pray who he is, you know who he's talking to, then you have more peace, and that's what we see in Jesus. Now, when it says, hallowed be your name, well, that just means to keep his name sacred, so you want to honor his name and keep it sacred, keep it holy and set apart. Number two, priority. Priority. So Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So at this, you know, this will be our Tuesday prayer. And on Tuesday, what we'll be asking is we'll be asking God to God help us to keep your plan as our plan. So the, the danger is... I've been here so long, so many times. The danger is I go to God and I say, God, help my plan be your plan. That's what I do. But what he's saying is to go to God and say, God, help your plan be our plan as we're going to live it out in the world. So this is basically a prayer of surrender or submission is that I want to submit and surrender to your way 
and uh, to what you say, and so that everything I do in my world and life brings you glory. And so what I want to do, guys, I'm telling you up front, is I'm asking everyone I'm praying for, along with myself, to align my life underneath your will, to surrender to your way and do it in your power. And now we move into the more of the time, the prayers that will be more for personal um, and the asking portion. Up until now, it's been worship. Now it's going to be asking. And so the third one is P is petition. Petition. This will be for Wednesday. He says, petition, give us today our daily bread. And so the way I pray this, because I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. It's just my thing I do. I just really have come to uh, just enjoy this moment in my life. Uh, to be able to do this and engage with God. But the way I pray this, when it gets to this part about give me my daily bread, is I pray it this way. I say, God, meet all the needs I have mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. God, meet all the needs I have in this day in those categories. And so it's really helpful when I come and I'm going to speak and, and I'm just asking him and praying, saying, help me to have, have mental clarity today uh, as I get to speak. Help me to have emotional intelligence as I speak. Help me to have spiritual awareness as I speak. Uh, and then help me to have relational connection as I speak. And that's what I pray before I come here because I'm really asking God for all of us to be able to experience him in a deeper way because of our time. Now, daily bread, when he said that, everyone in his day would know what it means, and some of you have a clue what it means. Daily bread is drawing his listeners back to that time when they were in the wilderness and they needed food, and God provided food in the form of what? Manna. And so they would, get, they would come out of their tents. I just think this is, you know, some ways I think, oh, I love that life. <laughs> they come out of their tents, they look outside, and there's something to eat. They eat it, and then they go around their day, and then God says, I'll, I'll supply the next day. Now, what would happen if they tried to get more than they need? It would spoil. And so what God was showing them is, I will give you what you need every day for what you need for this day. And you trust me, trust me in that way. So when Jesus draws his attention, he's just reminding his listeners and us that God will give us everything we need for this day. And we need to trust him for this day. Oh, this is hard because, you know, it's so easy to project into the future what you think you won't have in the future and make you lose peace in the day. And so what God's saying, no, trust me for this day, I will give you all that you need. So we pray that for everyone in our church family, that everyone would have that. Next was pardon. Pardon. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So in this day, we just take a moment and we're honest about our failures, about uh, our sin. We confess our sin to him. And at the same time, and you know what? I, I, this is what I found. The hardest part about this prayer at this point is that it's easy for me to say, God, forgive me my sins. It's difficult for me to list them. I think that's what confession is, is listing our sins, listing our failures. Now, it's, it may take work, it may take effort, it may take discipline, it may take experience, it may take the Holy Spirit, but my encouragement would be get to a place where you can list the ways that you have sinned in the last 24-hour period as you do this again. And then, then next you would say, as I have forgiven those I have debts against or have debts against me both ways. And so help me to learn to forgive others as well. 
And so that's what we do. We ask him to help us to forgive them as we've been forgiven because we list those sins. We realize that other people sin. Then we sin. Other people sin. Sometimes those sins are against me and hurt me. But I am going to give God my heart and ask him to help me to forgive them even though I don't see I possibly can. Next, protection. Protection. This is on Friday. So it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Just know God never leads us into temptation. He's basically saying protect us from temptation is what this is saying here. But deliver us from evil. It's a declaration of dependence now. We're saying to God, is God, we can't fight sin on our own. We need your help to be able to fight sin. We need you to protect us from the harm of sin. We need you to protect us from the harm that sin does to ourselves and to others. Protect us from temptations that are within that would cause us to give into sin and protect us from the evil one who wants to destroy us. And then I added this one just because I thought it would be good for us, and that is purpose, and that's on Saturday. Purpose, and that's on Saturday. And it says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, unfortunately, that um, as we there's some confusion about this, and I understand the confusion, uh, but if you just buy a modern translation of the Bible, it won't have this part of the Lord's Prayer. How many of you memorized the Lord's Prayer with this last part in it? I think most of us did. But the modern translations don't have it there. And the reason that they don't have it there is that in the oldest manuscripts, they want to be true to the manuscripts, okay? In the oldest manuscripts that have been found, this is not here. It's not here. But what I want to suggest to you is that this was added by the followers of Jesus as a doxology, as a statement of belief, as an amen, as a worship, you know, um, parentheses at the end of this prayer so that we could nail it down and say, this is what we want to do. So this is our purpose. We want to be people who bring God's glory to our world. And so this is just basically an, overwhel- it was an overwhelming response to all that God had, was promised to do and all that he prayed for. It's a statement of trust and confidence that God can do all he says he can do. It's a statement saying, God, you're large and in charge. God, you're large and in charge. I trust you to take care of me. So when we say your kingdom come, we're affirming that God rules over all creation, and that includes us. When we say yours is the power, we affirm that God is the source of our hope for today, tomorrow, and the future. When we say yours is the glory, we're affirming that our goal in life is to bring him glory in all that we do. When we say forever, we're affirming that these things we've prayed about will always be true of our God. And when we say amen, yes and amen, as we just sang about, we are saying may it be so in our lives. May it be so in our lives. Dallas Willard, uh, you know, he's in heaven right now. Uh, he, but he was a famous uh, theologian, has written many books, influenced the whole, uh, really all of Christianity uh, in his era. Uh, is that he, he came up with this idea. He said, you know what, amen? Instead of saying amen, he says, there's a better word for amen. And here's the better word for amen. You've prayed a prayer. It's all about trusting God. The better word for amen would be whoopee. <laughs> whoopee. <laughs> I trust God. I'm just like a little kid. I trust him to take care of me. And it's a whoopee moment. So it's basically my prayer for us that we would engage together in this practice of prayer 
but the goal is not just to practice, okay? So, you know, we get to the end of 2020, and you say, well, Ron, I, I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, and you were so caught up in performance or technique that you never got to relationship. My goal is that together we will move into relationship as we practice the way of Jesus in prayer in 2020. Will you bow your heads and let's pray together? God, I just thank you so much for this time that we're here and we're together. I thank you for your church, and I, I pray right now that you would help each of us to choose to take on this challenge, 2020 prayer challenge, that every day we'd pray the Lord's Prayer, every day we'd focus on a word, and that we would allow that word to penetrate our hearts, and that you would use this uh, in our lives in just a, in a a way that we can't even imagine today, a way that we can't even dream, not just to get answers, not just to see results, um, not just to feel that we've become more adept at prayer, but God, that we know you better. And as we know you better, we trust you more. As we trust you more, your fruit, your spirit fills our hearts so that others see you and us, Jesus. That's what I pray, that others see you in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whoopee! Amen. Whoopee!